This is episode 18 with Matt Hins. Welcome to the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you take any idea and making it a reality. Here's the man who did it and now teaches it, Justin Escar. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I hope everybody had a good, safe Halloween last Friday. Super happy to be back. Super happy to have Matt Hins on today. Matt is a trademark attorney. I know we've had a couple of other attorney and uh, patent and trademarking people on before. We had David Patalski, uh in episode 11 talking about patents. We had Mindy Bickle from the USPTO project um, in episode 15. And here we are two more episodes later with Matt Hins, a trademark attorney. Now, you're saying to yourself, why so many lawyers? And it just happens that I know all these lawyers. But the fact of the matter is really that one thing people forget to do when they come up with their idea is they forget to protect themselves. They go, oh, I have this great idea. I got to tell everybody. And then guess what? Someone may take that idea and run with it. And, you know, maybe you get hurt. Or who knows? Get yourself protected. Get a patent. Get a trademark. Use these tools that we're talking about. Today, Matt and I talk about um, the difference a little bit. We talk a little bit of the difference between a patent and a trademark, but we talk about trademarks. We talk about trade secrets. We talk about how you can use the little TM, the little R, and the little SM over your name, things like that. And uh, it's really important to realize this stuff that, like, <clears throat> trademarking is cheap, right? You can trademark for, like, a couple hundred bucks. Why not trademark your logo and get yourself covered. That way people can't just use it or trademark your slogan. You know that every time uh, in the WWE, Dwayne Johnson is known as The Rock. The Rock is trademarked to the WWE. And every time he's attributed as The Rock in another broadcasting, they have to pay the WWE money for that. That's easy cash, right? Imagine you came up with this great idea uh, and you were able to trademark it trademark your idea name or your product idea product name or whatever it is you can make money on that it's really easy to do that now here's the kicker and matt will talk about this later the difference between a patent and a trademark is that a trademark has to be something that's in use pay a patent you can build it patent it and then not use it but a trademark needs to be in use uh, in order to receive trademark protection on it but i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it to the experts to talk about it so here's uh today's interview with matt hins What's up, Appitalizers? Uh, thanks for being here today. I'm super excited about today's guest. Today's guest is Matthew Hins. He's an attorney at law at Cervella Whitney in Island, New Jersey. We're going to talk about trademarks. We're going to talk about copyrights. Matt, dude, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. So for everyone at home, um, you and I know each other through a couple different people. Uh, Dave Postowski, who was on a couple episodes ago. Um, uh uh, Jason Frasca, who will be on in a couple weeks, um, and we know each other through the co-working space and such and, and stuff like that, um, and I wanted to bring you on today because I wanted to talk about trademarks for entrepreneurs, right? It's a big yeah. issue, yeah? Uh, it is a big issue, and it comes down to pretty much basically what your company is often what it's going to be is, is a trademark or the name that a customer or a consumer is going to associate with you. 
All right, so what's your company be? So that's that's big, right? So we've talked about um, patents in the past with with uh, David, um, and for those at home, there's a big difference between a trademark and a patent. And Matthew, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially, a patent is protection on a thing, where a trademark would be pre- protection on like a name. That is one way of thinking about it. I like to think of about it for a patent is a method or a system for doing something generally. So it could be like an ingredient list of different things to of a chemical formulation for one part. Uh, for a utility patent, there's other types of patents that I don't think we need to get into for our purposes. There could be design patents, which could be for the shape of a thing. But those are only for ornamental aspects, not necessarily for the utility or the list of ingredients or the way of doing something that a patent would protect. Right. And a trademark would be on just like the name of the item or something or like the logo. Generally, the name or the logo. A trademark can be it can be very versatile. Generally, everything is going to be a word mark or a logo like Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola in a special font, as you'll see if you're looking at a Coca-Cola can right now. Uh, But a trademark can actually be many other things. Anything that a consumer would identify as being associated with that brand or that uh, producer of that product, there's trademark, registered trademarks for uh, some scents. Um, You can have a registered trademark for shapes for different things. Uh, for colors that are associated with something. Uh, so it can be a very versatile type of thing. But for the most part, for most people, it's always going to be a word mark. And that's generally the best way to think about it, the easiest way to so think what about exact, it. So what exactly, just so people know, like, uh, what are you saying? When you say word mark, what does that mean in like, layman's terms? Uh, the word. The oh, word. the actual word itself, the name, yeah. like the, the title of the company or product or whatever. Yeah, title of the product. Uh, so for me, uh, we're going to trademark Apitalize on your idea. Then it would be capitalize on your idea. Right. Okay. So the trademark is when people you see the little TM above someone's, uh, you know, name or logo or whatever it is. Uh, real quick for clarification purposes, what is it when you see an SM? That is a service mark. A service mark is something that is used for a service instead of uh, a trademark, which is generally for a product. Often we will, we meaning trademark attorneys, will generally refer to them as the same thing as generally a trademark or just a mark. Uh, But a service mark might be for, let's say, a good idea of when you might see that is if you're looking at perhaps Chase Financial Services, maybe an example. That might have a service mark because there's not actually a good or a product that the person would get, that you would get. They're offering a banking service of some sort. So that's what SM would be. So when you when you give your email to your clients and they get their trademark or service mark, do you say you've been marked? I haven't in that, that James Bondy yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really come across very well in email. I, I'd have to call them up and just be like, you've "Can been you marked. can we can we trademark? You've been marked." Then <laughs> just start sending that to people. We'd have to look it up. So our service would be a notification of uh, of, of of trademark registrations. Because that's another good reason to, another thing to point out. When you have a trademark or a registered trademark, it doesn't give you carte blanche to only use that word and take it out of the lexicon that no one else can ever use it. It's always associated with a specific good or service that's on your registration. Right. Uh, uh, sometimes people might 
trademark holders might try to say that they have a bit broader rights. Um, I know with, in the patent realm, they often say that they have patent trolls. In the, in the trademark realm, people who might be asserting more than they're entitled to claim are generally called trademark bullies. So they have bullies instead of trolls in the trademark world. Because trademark troll just sounds weird. Well, actually, there's a reason there might really not be a trademark troll because for a trademark to actually have a valid trademark you actually have to use it you have to do something affirmative be using it in commerce selling something to a customer or using it as a service for a customer so the idea that there might be something that no one's really using and just trying to enforce doesn't really come into play for oh, okay. uh, unlike a patent where you know you might have the rights to use something but a, they often call a patent is the right to exclude so people might just be able to assert a patent not actually have to produce anything on the patent and that's why they might have a trade or a patent troll as opposed to uh, a trademark troll because I, I think it's i think it's just really odd that in today's business lexicon things like patent troll or trademark bully are just so commonplace and like these are things because you know the you know the appleizer group the appleizer fans these are people who are starting out and building their things from scratch and all I do is scare them with stuff like this. But, like, it's become so commonplace for a patent troll or a trademark bully to, like, try to get in the way of things. And, and they shouldn't scare people at all, right? It should continue moving forward and, and hire a good lawyer. But um, it is something that we just need to be, like, aware of. Unfortunately, a lot of it is the current landscape of doing business. And hopefully you never have to deal with that sort of situation uh, a lot of times you can hopefully, at least on the trademark side, if you do a really good search before adopting a mark, you can adopt a good uh, tactic to try to avoid. You can you can anticipate a bit more on the trademark side. Uh, on the patent side, you know, sometimes things, it can be so much broader of what could be read into what you're actually doing from a patent. On the trademark side you can generally try to get a better idea of how to anticipate some, hopefully, some of the challenges that might come up right, with the right. benefit of a good search in advance. All right, so let's move on. So let's. So you and I were talking, um, you did a presentation a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the secret formula at Coca-Cola. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'm a Coke guy. I have a Coke machine in my garage. I'm not kidding you. Um, and... Coca-Cola has patents and trademarks, but let's talk about the secret formula. You've told me before, and I'm going to have you tell the appetizers because I have, I have. There are a lot of appetizers who are in the food industry. Um, Coke does not have protection on their formula. That is not quite correct. Okay, correct me. I will. <laughs> Coke has trade secret protection on their formula it's a valuable property in part by virtue of not being public uh, if you had a patent on something part of the exchange of having the patent is that you have to disclose how you actually make something so if there was a patent on the coca-cola formula uh, they would have to list all the ingredients. Uh, again, a list of ingredients as we were talking about before. And then you, they'd only have a limited amount of time to use it, the, the patent term, which would be 20 years from the date of filing. But if something is a trade secret and is kept secret from the public, then 
there is no time limit on that. The downside is that if someone were to figure out how to make the Coca-Cola formula on their own, an independent, uh, an independent creation of it or reverse engineer it, then that's perfectly fine. That's not going to be an issue at all. Right. Uh, because they didn't derive, they didn't know what the secret is. They figured it out themselves. So let's take this now, and you and I were just talking about this. Uh, at the time of this recording, the Cronut guy, who's very famous in New York, went on uh, Good Morning America and told people how to make the the infamous Cronut. Now, the Cronut, for those who don't know, is a is a croissant donut. Um, it's like four thousand calories or something like that, and people would wait online like. All day, every day for this for this thing, and now he's released the recipe on TV, and I'm looking at a website on ABC News, and there's the there's the recipe. Is he did he did he mess up? What did he like? Does he have a patent on the Krona? Can he still, if anyone tries to make Kronuts or sell Kronuts, can he go after them? Like what happened here? This is a really good example of how to distinguish between different types of intellectual property and. First off, I'll say as a disclaimer, I haven't had a cronut, but I've been following their trademark. <laughs> model, uh, I haven't had one yet either. For the last nine months or so. They've, they've been on an interesting trademark ride. But let's start, again, we'll start with the patent side. Um, did he give up a patent? Would he be able to still get a patent? He gave everybody the formula. He wouldn't be able to get a trade secret because he's released his formula. Right. So he wouldn't be able to have a trade secret on how to make his cronut. For a patent, he could still apply for a patent. Generally, there is a one-year grace period from the date of public disclosure to filing. So he could still file for uh, how to make his cronut, which I believe is the special laminated, I think that's his word, laminated uh, ingredient or component of it. Uh, for a copyright protection, which is generally for copyright protection doesn't work for recipes, uh, again, because it's a list of ingredients. They don't, according to uh, the copyright gurus and the copyright law, for a copyright, you have to have some sort of creativity of expression, and they say that the list of ingredients for a recipe isn't going to meet that standard. So for any recipe, there's not going to be a copyright protection. So he wouldn't necessarily be able to copyright the Cronut recipe either, um, but just to expand that a little bit, because you might be wondering, well, how does anyone make a cookbook? Or why would anyone make a cookbook? The description of a recipe would satisfy the copyright requirement of having a creation and independent creativity. But just the list of ingredients isn't necessarily going to be part of the copyright. And especially if it's a copyright or a, a cookbook, they have... Beautiful. But he can he can trademark let's say the word cronut right? Well, let's let's talk about that. He has filed a registration for cronut. It was approved for registration after he filed. About a few weeks after it was approved for registration and the registration certificate had issued, the trademark office actually revoked the registration and said that someone had opposed it timely and they had inadvertently issued it. So there is currently an opposition filed by another woman, who I'll describe in a little bit, uh, of the Corona registration in the U.S. The other woman who was opposing it had filed an application to register Cronuts 
uh, notably plural. And she said that she has started using cronuts before Dominique Ansel, the chef of the cronut, had, and that she has prior rights to use it. Uh, she also has, there's a couple different grounds that they're going to, but the main one is that she was using it beforehand, uh, although her goods are not for uh, croissant donut hybrid. I think her goods are more like a savory donut of sorts. Uh, currently, there, there's been a motion filed to dismiss uh, her opposition and it has not been ruled upon, but as of right now, and this will just take you one step back, Dominique Ansel would not be using the R in a circle next to Cronut because he doesn't have a registration for his Cronut mark, but he could use a TM since he is using that in commerce for himself. Okay. Uh, there's been other marks filed as well that try to play off of the cronut. I think I saw one just recently for fronuts. I think it was fronut. <laughs> right. frozen. It's just a funny fronut. word. Well, there's been other. There was another variation that was people were using for a while, which I think was a dosant, which just takes the other half. The other of the, half, yeah. Which always sounded a lot more sophisticated to me. The dosant. It's um, very French. Yeah, as opposed to cronut, which has that hard crow yeah. part to it. Um, there's been other challenges to a trademark for the cronut or some of the other variations that have been put upon. Uh, for a trademark, one thing that you need to have for a trademark is you don't want it to be very descriptive of what your goods are or your services are. You want something that is generally fanciful, they say, or arbitrary, something that is a coined word. Uh, so there's been some challenges to like Google, for example, though, right? That's an example. Right. I have another. We'll, we'll get back to Google in a second because there's been some Google developments. Um, there's a good example with that. But for Corona, people have said that it's descriptive because it's just part of a croissant and part of a donut. And this is a croissant donut. There's been some mixed reviews. There's been no definitive ruling on it. I mean, I think... I sort of look at, at it more as a coined word. I, I think it would survive some sort of descriptiveness challenge because it's certainly something that someone made up. They combine the two words. It might be two different components of the ingredients, but it's a it's a coined word, I would think. Uh, but for right now, uh, Dominique Ansel does not have his registration in the U.S. I think he does in some other foreign countries. Um, so you can use the R in, I think, Monaco is one of those. Just what they need in Monaco, cronuts. Yeah, they do need Monaco. On their fancy boats. Uh, but just to get back for one second, for Google, I think that one thing we always talk about when we talk about trademarks is how to use them properly. And this is a good example with Google and, and for cronuts. You want to generally use them as an adjective. Uh, you don't want to generally use them as a verb or a noun because they can become generic and used overall, like aspirin used to be. Uh, a trademark of everyone just called whatever that pain reliever is an aspirin and now it's generic or escalator was a it's a trademark that became generic and oh really i don't know that yeah and heroin of all sorts too uh, <laughs> which was not something i had known um so if i were to use cronut properly as a trademark i would have to say something like the cronut baked good not the cronuts i think if you're continuing to use it as the cronuts using it as a noun and 
it could refer to anyone's pronouns, not necessarily Dominican cells. Right. That sort of weighs against having some sort of trademark protection. I mean, no one's going to own the word rights to the word donuts because a donut is a donut. Uh, the question always comes up when we give that example when I'm talking to people is Googling. People say, but I use people use Google to as Googling to do searches, and that's using it as a verb. Um, just last month in September, there was a district court opinion that came out that held that Googling by itself does not mean that Google is generic. Uh, someone had opposed the Google trademark as generic because it's been used widely used as a verb. And the judge went on to clarify that using it as a verb per se isn't going to make something generic. Uh, because people might still associate it with a certain service like Google. Generally, people don't go Googling on Bing or Yahoo. If well, they're gonna go I, Google. well, maybe your grandmother does. I was going to say, I was going to say, it's it's very rare where someone's like, did you Bing that? They would say, did you Google that, though? Well, didn't Bing have a marketing campaign where they tried to make that happen, too? Yeah, yeah. It was them versus Google, and it was like, Bing this. And it, was, it was bad. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, the judge went on and there was consumer survey evidence where Google had put in and done surveys where they, according to their survey, I think almost 97% of the people said that they associate Google with a brand and not a generic service. But, okay, wait, so going on this though, let's yeah. let's look even further back and let's talk about Xerox, right? Xerox is a company, but when someone says, did you make a Xerox of that? You can go to any copier and make a, co a copy of it. And Xerox, and there's lots of examples of it, and even now, I think just I saw one just the other day, and there was a collection of these uh, on one website, which I can't remember the link of, but we can share later on, of what they call corrective advertising, where the company might put out advertising that would say something like, when you're using our machine, you're making a photocopy, not a Xerox. The Xerox is the machine, not the action. That sounds like a boring commercial. It, well... Yeah, it is. It, it, I guess it means a lot to trademark attorneys. Uh, but Unless Justin Timberlake and, and Jimmy Fallon are, are doing the commercial. They can sing it. it. Yeah, make a song. It. So th there's been certain amounts of corrective advertising where they want people to say, you know, no, it really is a trademark. Don't overuse it or use it the wrong way. There's been a couple other companies that have had to engage in that sort of activity. But I think for the most part, it's sort of worked. I mean, everyone sort of refers to a Xerox as a photocopier, but I don't use Xeroxing. I know this might be a trademark brain's reaction. I don't usually say Xeroxing to copy something anymore. Right. I don't I don't think I use it either only because I don't really see photocopiers. Photocopiers, <laughs> let alone Xerox. I mean, I see Xerox printers, but they're mostly Ricos, but that's another tech thing. Wait, so okay, so going on this then, I had this train of thought. If you're going to Oh, so let's go the other direction now, right? A couple years back, and don't hold me to this, you're the lawyer, you can correct me. Um, when Apple registered iPod, they were trying to shut down companies who use the word pod in their name, like Peapod was one of them, I remember. And Peapod was like, we're a grocery service. We have nothing to do with your music player. <laughs> um, like, how does, so that's the opposite of this, right? Where they're trying to overextend part of their trademark, iPod, um, into things that they have nothing, no control on you. That sounds a bit more like our bullying discussion from earlier. Apple a bully? Never. No, I don't know, but... <laughs>
Yeah, there they, there was a campaign to get people not to use Pod for a lot of different things that were perhaps or, or perhaps not related. Um, I think right now Instagram is a, is a very aggressive uh, trademark opposed. Oh, I heard about this. Is that the? There is one recent thing recently. Yes. Somebody. Okay, so someone made a website. I think. It wasn't like it was something like Instagram sucks or something like that, right? And they wrote to him. He bought the URL. I, I don't remember the exact URL, so I'm, I apologize in advance, but it's something like that. And the Instagram wrote to him about the URL, and he wrote back and he's like, I'm Nordic and I'm writing about a place where you can go in, and the place was called Stagram. I believe that was. Uh one way of reading it could be sluts of Instagram. Oh, that's it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm looking this up right now because this is so funny. Instagram. Uh, so, or it could be sluts of Grom. And I believe his response included lots of pictures of ducks dressed as princesses, but I, I could be wrong. Yes, yes, this is it. S- <laughs> sluts of <laughs> Instagram. Like, it's S-L-U with an umla, S-T-O-F. New word, I N, new word, S T A G R A with some accent over it. I don't know what that is. M. So it's, it's Slutz of Instagram. I guess maybe he's German or something like that. I didn't read the article. I assumed he was pulling their leg, but perhaps there really is a good Instagram um, full of duck princesses. That that could that could be true. Oh, it's from a law website. I'm gonna send this to you actually right now, like mid conversation, um, so you can read that later. <laughs> and I'll put that. And for those who care, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, all right. Well, so I have a, okay. So let's talk about URLs for a second. URLs is a big thing, right? Because anybody can buy a URL at any time, and whether they use it or not. And um, owning URLs is very tough because I know for my own thing that we have an app and I don't talk about the actual URL on, on, on the podcast, but we have an app that we have, a, we don't own the URL for someone else owns the URL. We asked to buy it from him and he said, no, his URL redirects to something unrelated to what the URL is. And we actually are working on getting the trademark for the, for the app. And uh, we were thinking about trying to figure out like how we can get the URL and that becomes a problem for a lot of people. Here's a great example. I don't know if you want to shine some light on. A couple of years back, there was a guy. His name was Mike Rowe. M-I-K-E-R-O. I think it was R-O-W-E. And he used to write software. So inevitably, he got a website called MikeRowSoft.com. And the big Microsoft, the one in, in Redmond, was like, ha-ha, no. And they tried to send him like a cease and desist. And... um it actually became a really bad legal battle because he was like, well, if you guys want it, you guys are Microsoft, you guys can pay for it. I think they offered him like a hundred bucks and he's like, I want like a th- whatever he asked or some like absorbent amount of money. And then they were like, then Microsoft sued him for like, I guess, uh, not blacklisting, but like um, uh, purposely buying that domain to hold out to like, you know, to try to get money out of them. And it became like this big thing, but um, URLs are a really tough gig. So how do people get around that when it comes to like these kind of issues? 
I think the word you might have been looking for was cyber squatting, perhaps. Okay. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, they were accusing him of cyber squatting, but that's not what he was doing. They were going to say that he was he was like blackmailing them for more money, essentially. Yeah, and, and generally for those types of situations, there has to be some sort of bad faith uh, or attempt to park something that someone knows is going to be much more famous later on or more important to another company later on, and then you try to extract money from them. And those are how a lot of those procedures have uh, developed in the U.S. There's a federal court action you can file under the Anti-Cyber-Squatting Act. But there's also different procedures to try to reclaim domain names uh, that are more like arbitration proceedings. They're not necessarily in the court, but they're essentially court situations. One is for the Uniform Dispute Resolution Policy, or UDRP, where you can try to reclaim trademarks. Um, with trademarks as well, in domain names, there's as it's been rolling out, there's been a big expansion of the new top-level domains. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple other new systems uh, for top-level domains. Instead of having your .com or your .net or .edu, ICANN has been rolling out... .guru, .nyc, .food, .television. Exactly. And there's actually, if you really want, if you, if you have enough money, you wouldn't be an appetizer, but if you had enough money, you can get a top-level domain that's .your company. So I heard Coca-Cola is getting .coca-cola or something like that. You know, I don't know... That they very well could be. There are some companies that worked to get their own top-level domains, uh, and some of them are the more the general things, as you said. Uh, .nyc has been rolling out. I think just this month that people who have like verified New York addresses can start applying for those. Although I'd also read that the city was able to withhold certain properties or certain listings, so there won't be someone won't be able to necessarily be able to buy Park Slope .nyc. Although right. you can imagine the value of that would end up being. Yeah. <laughs> but there's been some other procedures that have been developed to try to reclaim domain names. Because for trademarks, the, the idea is then that if I'm... Oh, just real quick. I want to throw this in. I, we're, we happen to be... For everyone who's listening, we're recording this uh, October 6th. And I just went to go, um, GoDaddy to go actually look for an NYC domain. And the registration opens Wednesday, October 8th. Like in two days from now. That's good to know. So that's the general public... I Registration, yeah. yeah I think and then on here is also dot pub dot bar dot coffee dot recipes dot guru dot catering. A lot of food ones. Dot uh, tips. Um, they're, they're adding a lot. They're expensive though. Dot bar is a hundred dollars on GoDaddy. I've always thought I was always surprised that like dot bike was one of the first ones to roll out. But I've also heard that dot guru is one of the more popular ones. That's yeah. Come out. I think a lot of the big expansion has been, and this won't really affect us or the appetalizers, uh, in non-English characters uh, in, in different languages, there's been a lot more expansion in top-level domains, uh, which doesn't really serve any of our purposes for us, but good to know. But there's been other procedures to try to reclaim those. Uh, they're called uniform, or excuse me, I think it's uniform rapid response, a URS, uh, one of the things about being an IP attorney is you have to learn a lot of different acronyms, and then you realize you speak in another language that other people don't understand anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you work in IT as well. Uh, I'm sure it does, yeah. I actually, I wasn't even paying attention. I just went to go look up Guru because I was like, I should probably own that, and it says it's not available, and I got really mad. And then I just looked. I actually do already own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what happens. But okay. Anyway, the point being though is that like if you're gonna um, if you're gonna go look for something, like if you're gonna think about starting a company, or 
and such. These are things you need to take into consideration because you need to you need to know this stuff before you get involved. If you come up with an if you have the most brilliant idea for a company, my my wife and I were working on a company idea uh, name the other day for uh, for this brilliant idea, and I can't talk about it yet because it's way too new. But I went, I bought the URL just to have it, and then I looked up in the trademark online system, which is USPTO.gov. Um, and a comp- we have it with an S, and there's a company that has it without the S. And like that's gonna be, we're not gonna be able to win that that argument because that already exists and it's kind of in the same light as what we want. So we have to come up with another name, even though I own the other domain. So these are things that you need to take into consideration when you come up with your company name or your forget the product right this isn't about the product necessarily yes you want to trademark the product but you don't always need to have the url of the product right you could have the url of the company so you want to have a company name that's trademarkable you want to have a product name that's trademarkable and these are things you need to take into consideration when you look up certain things like for apple on your idea we have a, a thought bubble well how many times have you seen the word idea in a thought bubble it's a little tougher to get done, but because of the way we stylize it, it works. And these are things that people who are starting their own businesses really need to take into consideration. I think that's all true. And people should remember that just because you have a, a product name doesn't necessarily mean to be your company name or your URL. You can certainly exist between the two. Uh, but part of that just becomes of what your marketing is going to be or how you're going to market your product to people so that people won't necessarily want to or immediately associate your company name with the product. I mean, certainly Apple and Macintosh are different things. Um, and then just from a trademark perspective, I'll, I'll give a, another quick example from a, a trademark practitioner's perspective that I've come across, is that I think we touched upon this a little bit before. For a trademark to be a trademark it has to be used. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with the bullies earlier. Right. So you want something that is being used in commerce. Um, having a domain name it by itself is not sufficient to have a valid trademark. It just means that you have a domain name. Uh, but if you're selling your products through the domain name, then you're actually beginning to use your mark that's being used in the domain. I've, I've come across a couple recent decisions uh, at the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board where they hear appeals or oppositions of trademarks where people are trying to claim that they have a trademark right beginning when they registered the domain name. But that is not the way it's going to work generally. Um, you have to actually be using it. Uh, for a good, it's when you're actually selling it to somebody or when it's a service, when you're actually rendering that service to somebody. Uh, to actually have your rights in the trademark and be eligible for trademark protection. So if someone says to you, I have a great idea, I'm going to go register all those names, that's great. And you can begin to apply to register something just because you want to use it. And you can do that in the U.S. on what's called an intent to use application, but it won't register until you have proof of actual use of your registration. Because for trademarks, use is always the key. Right. You got to keep it using, unlike the patents where they can sit. Um, so I think yeah. this is I think this is great information. Thanks, Matt. And you do have to keep using it. And, and unlike a patent where there is going to be a time bar of twenty years from filing or copyright protection, 
uh, where there's going to be a, a limited time, although it can be for copyright, a very long limited time. For a trademark, as long as it's still being used, it rights can be renewed uh, potentially indefinitely. Right. Well, that's good to know. Matt, this has been super helpful. I think a lot of people learned some like valuable information about this. That's always the goal, is to help talk to people and make sure you don't stand too lawyerly to make sure that people actually can get something out of what you're saying. Because when you talk to lawyers all day, as I said, you, you use lots of acronyms and you begin to uh, forget how to speak to real people. So let me just, I want to finish up with one last question. Someone comes up with an idea. Do they go straight to their lawyer? Do they call you? Should they do anything first? Should they do any homework before they talk to you? What's the best route? Just to clarify, then, when you say idea uh, for a product name or a product, yeah, idea? like something that they want to, like the, a product name. We're talking trademarks. You're a trademark yeah, attorney. We're talking we're, trademarks. That's good because I'm a trademark attorney because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a patent attorney. I would actually advise people to do their own search first, and you can do uh, the basic quick searches with Google. You can. As we said, go Googling. Um, that, that won't even affect their trademark status. You can Google <laughs> their... You can get a good idea if someone's using it. Uh, you mentioned the USPTO site.gov. Uh, USPTO.gov, you can do a trademark search of applications that have been applied for or trademarks that are registered there as well. Uh, and I encourage people. I think they should be able to just go up and look, and you can get a lot of information uh, on your own before you have to engage with an attorney. Uh, it might be against my own interest to say, you know, you can do a lot of it on your own, but you can, and, and people should be able to. Uh, it, it, for a lot of these business resources, it, it shouldn't be necessarily in the realm of only an attorney. People should be able to access, and they can access a lot of this information themselves because it's your business and you're the generally the best one to know how to take care of that. Right. That's awesome. Uh, Matt, where can people find you online if they want your help or anything? I love to chat, so you can always email me at mhintz at d as in dog, s as in sam, iplaw.com, or you can follow me and tweet at me at mhintz, m-h-i-n-t-z-e-s-q. All right. Well, I'll put that in the, um, I'm gonna put that in the show notes, so... All our listeners can email you and tell you how awesome you were. That's great. Adulation is always nice. There you go. Matt, thanks so much for being here. I'm glad I could take the time, and I'm glad you uh, offered me the opportunity. Nice. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Wow. Thanks so much, Matt, for being here. I really appreciate um, the advice and the stories you guys could hear. You know, Matt and I know each other a while now. We can play off one another and, and tell these funny stories like the, the sleuths off Instagram story and stuff like that. So, like Matt said, you know, there's 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 things that you need to do to protect yourselves. Um, trademarks are important because trademarks are really like what your company is going to be. And sometimes these trademarks really kind of blow up. The examples that we've already talked about, Escalator, Xerox, Aspirin, Google, Kleenex, things like that. And now they're embedded into people's minds. You know, you know what Google is. If this were 10 years ago, no one would know what that is. It just became so popular. Um, and their trademark is on the word Google. So get yourself trademarked for your company name. Get your product trademarked. If you have questions, email me, email Matt, um, 
he's definitely going to hear to help you. Even if you're not in New Jersey, he can still try to give you some advice or push you in the right direction. So big thanks to Matt for being here. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. Um, Again, thanks for the reviews and the emails. I love them. If you have any questions about this episode, any episode, Appleize in general, whatever it is, hit me up, justin at justinescar.com. Please leave a review in the iTunes listing. It's the best way we can get more people listening to this show. And uh, we will see you guys soon. All right? Have a good one. Take it easy.